lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. Over there is our good friend Aaron McIntyre, and then there's our friends, all of you. Uh, let us know what you think about what we think, who you are. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, uh, MeWe, Gab, and Parlor. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show, and you can find clips of the show at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. One clip of the show you will definitely see up on Rumble today is we are going to have a Monday town hall on wokeism and race in America next hour with our brand new colleague here at Blaze TV. Jason Whitlock is going to join us. And we are going to be having a conversation comparing and contrasting the counterfeit wokeism religion presented by the spirit of the age versus the Christian ethic and what the Christian religion has to say on these topics uh, presented by the generations that founded America. And we're going to compare and contrast those ideals next hour. That is a conversation you do not want to miss. We are going to make as much of that available uh, as a breakout on our social media as we possibly can later in the day. uh, Because we think that this is a very important conversation to have. The battle against COVID, Stan, is not over. In fact, there's even more alarming um, forced vaccination news and data out there. So we are, we must finish that task. It must be finished. All right. But we also have the momentum in that fight. And so little by little, we are also beginning to add to our plate what we told you was going to be the target once we were done finishing off COVID stand. When will COVID stand be done, by the way, in case you've asked? Um, when we hear uh, the gnashing of teeth, the lamentations of their prophets, the wailing Uh, of their women. And then after unconditional surrender, we have then salted the ground with all these ventilators that were never used as well as with the masks that never worked so that they never decompose. And this land is a desolate wasteland, never ever to be inhabited again. Is that fair? Is that okay? I'm fine with it. Is that okay? Those are our standards for victory on this program. When, When those objectives are achieved. Nevertheless, we of course have... Uh, at least part of an eye on what is going on with racial stance. So we will address it today uh, in our Monday town hall with our new friend, Jason Whitlock. That is a conversation, again, you do not want to miss. Another one of our, another one of our friends, Bob Vanderplatz, from The Family Leader, will be joining us. He's here to announce their next headliner guest for their leadership summit this summer, which I guess is kind of a prospectus for candidates that either are going to run if Trump does not in 2024 or hope to be his running mate if he does run again in 2024. And one of them, him and I are going to have a talk about. And that's the candidate we're going to be talking about today. And that is former Vice President Mike Pence. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, we're going to have that conversation coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Quick conversation about my new glasses. I have these. These are the ones I wear What's it called where they help you with the uh, the digital screens? You have a pair of these two, right? Oh, blue right? blockers. Yeah, I've got those here uh, from our good friends over at Better Spectacles. And I just got over the weekend the um, the regular pair to wear around as well. And I like the look. They look pretty cool. And 
I had that whole thing last week about how did the you know buy the whole Clark Kent thing. I don't know. I mean, I can kind of see it. The, the the different glasses now compared to the ones I typically wear around. You know, even yesterday at church, people were like, new glasses or hey, you know, are you Steve Dace? Maybe there is more to that than I thought. Is this like the Avengers tech that makes the floating spaceships disappear? <laughs> it just kind of morphs it? I don't know if they're quite that advanced, but one of the cool things they do at Better Spectacles is if you have uh, what we call a difficult prescription, right? And you know me. Uh, if if there's a contrarian path, even in my maladies, I will find it. Uh, and that's me. I, I don't necessarily technically need to have bifocals, but I'm a little farsighted, a little nearsighted. This is what happens when you stare at screens all day, as we do. And so they just give you these things that are kind of like bifocals called progressive lens. They're not necessarily the easiest prescriptions to deal with. And now they can handle them over at our friends at uh, Better Spectacles. And they do them. With A-class, first-class, Rodenstocks, 144-year-old company, the world's gold standard when it comes to glasses. These are the glasses Ronald Reagan wore. They're the glasses I'm wearing now. And they can do this with you with a teleoptical appointment with their best opticians. This isn't just some online thing. You'll get the same expert treatment online that you would get in one of their stores. And they're offering you right now 61% off their GoSpec lenses plus handcrafted Rodenstock frames. That's what I'm wearing right now on the show. If you want to take advantage of that, just go to Better Spectacles, like it's spelled or like it sounds, betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Again, that's betterspectacles.com slash Steve. All right, before we get into the rest of today's program, of course, we must begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the G7 Summit, the annual meeting of power-hungry soy boys, feminists, and in Joe Biden's case, geriatrics was full of juicy morsels like this from UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. I'm building back greener. I'm building back fairer. and building back more equal and... Uh, how shall I, more, in, in, in a more gender neutral and perhaps like a more feminine way. How about that? When Johnson wasn't waxing eloquent about the Great Reset, he was correcting a confused Joe Biden. And the president of South Africa. And, and, and the president of South Africa, as, 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 I, as I said earlier. Oh, you did, I did not, I, did, I, I, I certainly did. Uh, (laughs) And when uh, confused Joe Biden wasn't being confused, he was being really confused. I think I'm going to try very much hard to, uh, it it is, um, by the way, there's places where I shouldn't be starting off and negotiating in public here, but let me say it this way. And when he wasn't being really confused, he was being really, really confused. COVID is, I know you all know, but a lot of people may not know what COVID is. And when he wasn't being really, really confused, he was wandering aimlessly. How are your meetings going in Cornwall, Mr. President? For those of you listening, that video shows a confused-looking president of the United States wandering around a seating area before being whisked away frantically by Jill Biden. And when he wasn't wandering around aimlessly, the guy who spent close to 50 years in Washington, D.C., incredulously says he needs more time to fix stuff. 120 days. Give me a break. Need time. Thanks.
Learning Chinese today. Today's phrase is the 25th Amendment clock is 15 minutes to midnight. Update on the lab leak theory. This video of Peter Daszak, the guy who runs EcoHealth Alliance, who reused money from Dr. Anthony Fauci's NIAID to fund likely gain-of-function research, surfaced over the weekend speaking at a pandemic preparedness forum. Just like we did with SARS, we found other coronaviruses in bats, a whole host of them. Some of them looked very similar to SARS. So we sequenced the spike protein, the protein that attaches to cells. Then we, well, I didn't do this work, but my colleagues in China did the work. You create pseudoparticles, you, look, you insert the spike proteins from those viruses, see if they bind to human cells. And each step of this, you move closer and closer to this virus could really become pathogenic in people. That video is from 2016. Meanwhile, White House coronavirus advisor Andy Slavitt had this COVID post-mortem analysis. But I'd also think we all need to look at one another and ask ourselves, um, what do we need to do better next time? And in many respects, being able to sacrifice a little bit for one another um, to get through this and to save more lives is going to be is going to be essential. And that's something that I think we could all have done a little bit better on. A new Gallup poll shows 87 percent of Republicans believe those who are healthy should get back to living normal life as much as possible, while 71 percent of Democrats believe people should still stay at home. In other news, the Rainbow Jihad had itself a weekend, starting with this new commercial from the job search website Indeed. Hi, I'm Taylor. For those of you listening, that's a commercial of a cross-dressing dude stressing over his upcoming interview because he doesn't know whether or not he'll be accepted as a cross-dresser. Surprise, he is. I'm Dorian and I use the pronouns he, him. Are you comfortable sharing how you would like to be addressed? Thank you for asking. Meanwhile, in Springfield, Missouri, here's how a sixth grade teacher reacted when asked why straight students weren't allowed to have any of her quote-unquote unicorn cupcakes. Would you like a special unicorn cupcake for being straight jerk? Yes. All right, come here. Get a straight jerk cupcake for being a pill. I'm just trying to be annoying. You are annoying. You were very successful. Congratulations. Thanks. Nickelodeon continues its attempt to indoctrinate children into the ways of Sodom. Baby blue, pink, white represent transgender people, and black and brown represent the queer and trans people of color. This video went viral over the weekend of what appears to be an early teenager announced to a group of her friends and adults in her neighborhood. This is kind of scary because I only realized this a couple of days ago, and I've only come out to a few people. I'm a guy. In completely unrelated news, Insider Magazine studied trends in kids' cartoons and characters and found a 222% increase in quote-unquote representations of LGBTQ identity between the years of 2017 and 2019. And finally, a social media company named Jubilee put together a video where they asked six random strangers to rank how they think the others in the group fared in a standardized IQ test. 
which they all took, based on nothing but a short conversation and visual profiling alone. Here's how that went. I work in finance. I have a bachelor's degree. I'm a software developer. I went to Ohio University. I got a double major in dance and cultural anthropology. I graduated with a bachelor's degree in Harvard recently, and I work in consulting. I have my PhD in cancer biology. I'm 21. I'm a high school graduate, and I work in the Marine Corps. Why don't you guys rank each other from one to six, including yourself, and give reasons why you want to do what you're doing? One, two, three, four, five, six. I'm sorry. Four, five, six. I'm sorry. Two, three, four, five, six. Tyler, he ranked last for me personally because the way he carries himself. He was ranking intelligence based on his point of view and not taking in other people's point of views and compiling results, but really just came down to his body language, his demeanor, the way he carried himself, the way he acted towards the group. So number one is Raymond. Number two would be Kaylee. Number three will be Tyler. And number four would be Shada. Number five is Sean. And number six is Maria. And that's what happened while we were away. What? <laughs> just happened. If, if you're listening, you really have to watch that. I'm sorry. But essentially, the woman with the PhD. Everybody rated the Marine. The one that was judging the Marine the most harshly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the very, in the, that's whose voice you heard before. Doesn't consider other points of views, the way he carries himself. The one who was the absolute most judgmental of the high school graduate Marine is the one who, and it wasn't even close. She had like a score of 112. 112. Okay. <laughs> Who conducted that, though? Was that like a happy accident we just saw? I think it was a happy accident, yes. It was a happy ac accident that they tried to retcon after that, but it doesn't it It's doesn't like the happen. Cleveland Clinic? Yeah. Hey, we did a study at 6,000 people's immunity, and the same, actually, slightly more people, nobody really got the virus twice after they were immune, but there was a couple of cases where people were vaccinated and then got the virus. No cases with anybody who previously had the virus and got it, and then they had to try to retcon their own data afterward. But there... And, but their retcon was, but even if you've been, uh, you've had it, get, get vaccinated anyway. You mean kind of like that? Yeah, they were trying yeah. to say, well, you know, on the other hand, um, you know, your IQ test doesn't really measure your yeah. intelligence. It, I identify as smarter, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. That's essentially what it was. God. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Home Title Lock. We've been warning you for years now about home title theft. This is where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title so they can become the owner. Uh, and that's why you want to get Home Title Lock so it doesn't happen to you, especially when there's a big-time data breach out there that leaves your name address or other personal identification information that you use online to identify as you. And that just happened to Facebook with 500 million accounts. They had a massive data breach there. Somebody asked me recently, why in these ads or in your own statements do you sometimes say, do you go back and forth between data and data? I've heard it both ways. Yeah, Because I've heard it both ways. I don't know which one it is. So I just, I guess this is the one place where I kind of swing both ways. Uh, so uh, you want to make sure this doesn't happen to you, whether it's data or data, regardless of how you pronounce it. All right. Uh, th that information is out there. So during this high risk breach, get protection right now, up to 30 free days of it uh, from our friends at Home Title Lock. When you go to HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code radio, get up to 30 free days of protection from our friends at Home Title Lock at HomeTitleLock.com with promo code radio. Coming up in the overtime today, our friend Peter McCullough, we have another video of his that we want to share with you and discuss. I cannot say anything for now about what this video will be, 
Um, but trust me, you want to hear what he has to say. I, I saw it over the weekend and my jaw dropped. You want to you want to see you want to see this for yourself, and you will today, and you'll get our commentary on it. If you are a Blaze TV subscriber at blazetv.com slash dace, that's D-E-A-C-E, blazetv.com slash dace, that's where you can go so that you can watch today's uh, overtime, which we will record right after today's program. And that's also where you can go to become a subscriber for a discount today at blazetv.com slash dace. Uh, a couple of things from Aaron's montage that I, I want to address. I want to talk about Andy Slavitt's use of the term selfish. So we're going to end up with at least a third, maybe as high as 40% of Americans not vaccinated. And yet our case counts are, have collapsed. Our death rate has collapsed. Our hospitalizations have collapsed. And that's even with all these scary new variants. Let's talk about selfishness for a second. So we're sitting here with one-third to 40% of the population not vaccinated at all. And yet our numbers are imploding. Why? Because we've reached courtesy of natural immunity, we reached a herd immunity threshold. That is why. You know, the kind of immunity that Anthony Fauci doesn't want to talk about and the, the media wants to ignore most days, right? Yep. We reached a herd immunity threshold. Here's a question. Let's talk about selfishness for a moment, shall I'd like we? To. Okay. Why do you think it took so long to reach this herd immunity threshold? Could we have reached this a year ago? Six months ago? We don't know for sure. But we do know this for sure. We would have reached it earlier if we'd had a more open society. The most selfish thing we could possibly have done is what we did. We banished our elderly off to death camps, otherwise known as nursing homes, where almost half of America's deaths took place, even though less than 2% of the population lives in one of those. We banished them to death camps. There's a study out today I tweeted over the weekend. We now maybe have lost close to 40% of American small businesses. Where the vast majority of job growth in America takes place, by the way, is small business. Current estimates are 38% of them gone, never returning. Deemed non-essential, can't return. We have this whole idea, let's, let's pay a living wage in the fight for 15. So if you want to have your own burger joint, a local place, you couldn't stay open. You were non-essential. McDonald's got to stay open, though. And now that they don't want to fight for 15, they're now going to experiment with kiosks instead so they don't have to pay people that so-called living wage. Walmart got to stay open. Your store didn't. 
Home Depot got to stay open. Lowe's did. Your neighborhood hardware store didn't. We made all the most damnable, selfish decisions we ever possibly could have. The children, the least vulnerable to and the least prone to be vectors for the virus, we sequestered them from a year for a year, a year of their lives, proms that will never come back, graduations, senior years. Somewhere a kid killed himself because he didn't get to a guidance counselor. We robbed them of a year. And then too often when we let them back into the gen pop, we treated them as exhibits behind plexiglass and masks that don't work. This entire year, plus Andy, has been an exercise in selfishness, brother. Yours! It's been an ode to selfishness. It's been an homage to it. Keep granny away. Shut your business down. Keep your kids away from me. I, 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 me, me, me. It's been, it has been. It, it, it's been a sonnet, a love song to selfishness. Go to hell. Because that's where your ideology came from anyway. And game recognize game. Speaking of the bowels of hell, that brings us to the next thing I want to address. You know, Todd, you and I are, and people our age, Gen Xers, we are the first born post-sexual revolution generation in America, right? Yeah. Playboys and hustlers and porn was all over the place when we were in high school and things of that nature, sure. right? Pretty commonplace, right? Yeah. Do you ever remember turning on Captain Kangaroo? And right after Mr. Green Jeans, he was like, and now folks, Linda Lovelace is here with a message. You ever remember that? Because she was a big thing back about that exact same time, yes. right? Yeah. You never had to ask your mom, hey, mom, what's a BJ? Never had to ask your mom that when you were five because it showed up on Captain Kangaroo. You didn't know nope. what deep throat meant? No? No. Nope. Weird. Weird. Kind of stripping and all that stuff went mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. Did Cinnamon come into you? Were, you grew up in Madison too, right? I did. Yeah. At, 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 what elementary school there in, in, in left wing Madison did you go to? Do you remember? I don't know what it's called now because we've named a lot of them for yeah. woke names, but it was called Hegel Elementary. Hegel Elementary, right? Yeah. So did they bring in uh, Cinnamon from the local Deja Vu? She'd come down the street, teach y'all how to pole dance. Teach the girl, the elementary school girls how to pole dance at uh, PE. Didn't have Cinnamon or Spearmint come down? Never have. And teach the girls how to pole dance? at the. At the no, really? I'm certain. Huh. Weird. Weird. Do you remember, do you remember the... Um, um, uh, the, the, do you remember Ginger Lynn voicing a character, the big porn star of our youth, the Jenna Jameson of our youth? Do you remember Ginger Lynn voicing a character on Super Friends? No. No, that didn't happen? Not to my knowledge. No, weird. Weird. Huh. So, we're the firstborn generation of the sexual revolution, right? Yes. Yeah. And yet, even though you could go see Deep Throat 
when we were little, you could go see Deep Throat like in New York, like in a mainstream theater. Like celebrities like Johnny Carson and Jack Nicholson went to go see it in the movies. You could have done that, right? Yes. Right. But yet they, they, they didn't bother to wreck the innocence of the kids during this process. Right? Right. They, they basically, even in left-wing... Not wing, overtly like... Yeah, they, even in left-wing Madison, they didn't bring cinnamon and spearmint and double mint down from the deja vu to teach the fourth grade girls how to pole dance for I you guys, right? I didn't know what a left-wing Madison was right. at that age. So what is it about the other side of the sexual revolution coin that makes them uniquely want to poison our children in this era with it? I'm going to tell you what it is because you need to know. First of all, let me tell you what it isn't. It isn't about sexual liberation. It ain't about that. That's what they're telling you it's about. It isn't about that. If it was purely about sexual liberation, just flat out licentiousness, then cinnamon and spearmint and doublemint would have taught the fourth grade girls when we were going to school how to pole dance, right? In PE class, right? More likely. Yeah, yeah. We, Linda Lovelace would have shown up on Campton Kangaroo and Ginger Lynn would have voiced a character on Super Friends, right? Yes. Yeah. It wasn't about sexual. So it's not, that, that just tells you right there, that's a lie. It's not about sexual liberation. It's about indoctrination. It's about the fact that this movement can't reclimate itself. It shuns the traditional family unit. It looks down and frowns upon procreation. Except its own, of course. It's organically sterile. Yes. Inherently, as you pointed out. So therefore, this is how it reproduces it doesn't have its own children so it has to take yours it has to indoctrinate yours and we're letting it which brings me to the second reason this is going on the first one we talk openly about on the right for a long time now most of my career it's been okay to talk about the first reason right mm -hmm. i mean dude even sean hannity who's like the biggest superstar wimp in our business. Even Sean Hannity will say what I just said. Right? Yes. That's not new. Okay. Let me tell you what the other reason is, though. Conditioning. Preparation. For pedos. And to be abused. To lower the age of consent. Well, it's not pedophilia, and it's not really, it's pederasty. It's the conditioning of nubiles for sexual contact that really they're not ready for. But that's, that, that's really what it is. They're conditioning and preparing children to not see assault as abuse, but normal. Because if this was really about, and only about, sexual liberation, it wouldn't be one particular vestige of the sexual revolution that was consistently trying to uniquely poison the children, right? Right. It wouldn't be. And it wouldn't have been all this entire time. 
But from the very beginning, this particular lineage of the sexual revolution has gone after the children. Why? Well, one, which is wicked enough, but, and that's the one that's acceptable to talk about here on the right, and that is indoctrination. The other is the one that we kind of don't want to talk about, though. But it's conditioning. They're prepping these children. Guys, have any thoughts? I think I'd rather have mine throw into a volcano to appease some imaginary Aztec god than be handed over to these creeps. This is, don't think of it in terms of anything less than human sacrifice, what you're seeing. A religious altar is being constructed in your schools everywhere you go. And your children are being gutted in front of you. And you sit there and just want to return to normal. You make me sick. Steve, I, I for one just want to say the, the entire last five minutes have just been one example of the uh, slippery slope fallacy. So Wins every breaks. time, brother. Yeah. It wins every single time. So this last year, maybe you got more of a look at what your kid is being indoctrinated with in the government schools than ever before. And now you're looking for an alternative. Well, I would personally recommend our friends at Freedom Project Academy. Uh, this is Dr. Duke Pesta and his crew. Uh, I know Duke personally, both the, him and the people that helped to found this school and are now keeping it going as well. My own son attended this virtual online in-person academy for a couple of years. I can't give it a better recommendation than I subjected my own kid to it. All right. And what I love about it is uh, they teach your kid how to think, not what to think. Critical thinking is encouraged, as is mastery of subject matter, not propaganda. It's classical education from a Judeo-Christian perspective. In other words, uh, the way that the founding generations of the country, that they were educated as well. And so if you're looking for options for this coming fall, now's a good time to just get a free information packet when you go to freedomforschool.com. Don't let your kid be like the average high school graduate in America right now that's reading at a seventh grade level. That uh, that Jubilee video that Aaron played during the montage where all these PhDs and master's degrees got together and assumed that the high school graduate Marine had the lowest IQ and he actually the third highest IQ in the room and the woman with the most decorated academic profile scored only a 112 on the IQ test. All right, don't let that be your kid. All right, we got to go to college to be that dumb. All right, freedomforschool.com again is the website you want to go to get free information see if it's a good fit for you and your family at freedomforschool.com let's welcome in our good friend bob vanderplatz from the family leader good to see you brother how are you I'm doing really well. I love the part about you have to go to college to be that dumb. So. Indeed. Indeed. I, I you know you and I once uh we won't mention the name. 
But uh, you and I once sat in on a, I guess we would call it a form of a job interview, right? With a major executive in this business. Is that fair? Sure. Yeah. A, a, a fairly, an executive of some fairly substantial standing, which is why we won't mention his name. Uh, and he kept hammering me on the fact that it didn't matter how good my demo tape was and how good I sounded um, or how smart I sounded, but you know, I didn't have a college degree. Therefore, you can't be all that bright. They, therefore, I, I, I shouldn't be on the air and I can't be all that bright. I then reminded him that, well, the guy who's been uh, from Cape Girardeau, Missouri, who's been kicking all your asses for the last 20 years. <laughs> I went to the, I've got the same level of education that he has, to which you thought at that point we should go ahead and cut that meeting pretty short at that point, <laughs> as I recall. Which was wise, because it was probably heading downhill from there. But yes. I thought it was very, very good. And so yeah. I'm thrilled to be on this show with you. All right. So you guys have your leadership summit coming up. Uh, in July, now this would normally be a hunting ground or a breeding ground or a meat market, whatever you want to call it, for candidates. But as we've discussed for the last few weeks, we're in this holding pattern right now where, you know, we're waiting to see what Trump does or does not decide to do. And it it sounds like you and I are on the same ebb and flow, by the way, that we started the year thinking we think it's certain Trump's going to run again. Then in the wintertime, we had both probably talked to a lot of the same people and thought, nah, maybe not. Yeah, the winter pause. Yeah, now we both kind of, it sounds like we both think he's going to run again. Is that fair? The spring thaw. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> All right. So, with you know me, I'm, I'm totally out of the business of, of trying to predict what Trump will do in the future because sure. I'm always wrong one way or the other. All right, but either way, we're going to have uh, an Iowa caucus if he doesn't run. Or we're going to have, you know, we've talked about this before too, kind of a shadow primary of of prospective running mates that'll that'll happen nationally. All people auditioning to be the uh, the number two, right? So, your big announcement since the last time we we talked is his last number two is is your next announced guest for the summit. Tell us about it. Well, Mike Pence is, he has announced that he's going to be here. And by the way, Steve, I've been asked a lot about, well, how many people have you invited to the summit who are potential 2024 candidates? And we went into this summit right on the forefront saying we're inviting three. That's it. Uh, Christy Nolm we wanted. She's coming. Mike Pompeo we wanted. He's coming. Mike Pence we wanted. He's coming. And the reason we wanted those three, our base have not heard them in this capacity about what does the vision look like under my leadership as president, say, at a leadership summit? So we thought these, guys, these three would be compelling. They all said yes. We're very excited to have them. Um, and so, uh, and, and the deal with Trump, as I've told the media, listen, look at all the people that are coming to Iowa. They're definitely knocking on the doors. Uh, if Drew Zahn, who's in charge of our communications department, were here, he would tell you of all the media that are requesting media credentials, he says it's unprecedented this early for the 2021 summit. So a lot of media have interest. I think there's a lot of people that have interest that are willing to turn the page already on Biden and Harris. So Trump himself last week openly posited the prospect of a Trump-DeSantis ticket in 2024. What do you think of that? I don't think it'll ever happen. And the reason I think you have two alpha males, uh, I think I think the world of Governor DeSantis I don't think Governor DeSantis is saying, hey, look, I want to run for the number two spot. I don't think that's in Governor DeSantis' DNA. Matter of fact, I think it diminishes DeSantis's basically uh, his view, his image, if he says, I want to run to be number two. Uh, I think Donald Trump is very wise. He says, listen, DeSantis is the hottest guy in the market right now. Why not have him be my number two or projected to be my number two? I don't think it makes any sense at all. 
And I'm not even so sure. Well, it, it may help out Trump because of Florida, governor. Uh, but there's other things that Trump could do there. I tend to agree with you. Um, one of the things we saw from Trump's administration is he was very comfortable around strong women. But often the men that he associated himself with were not that strong of personalities and characters. And I just, I, I can't see, I can't see DeSantis doing what frankly Pence did for four years, which is, I mean, there was not any sentence about, no matter the topic, that if Mike Pence was not asked about it, he could not redirect the conversation to, and you should know, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I love double stuffed Oreos, but you should know, I mean, nobody separates the cookie and uh, ingests the whipped cream better than Donald Trump. I've ever told you that before. I mean, he could he could turn anything in anything uh, into a uh, into a a, a, Dom, a Donald Trump uh, uh, flattery exercise. I, I just can't see Ron DeSantis doing that. And he it would be out of character for Trump, frankly, to uh, to put somebody so strong and independent. That's a guy that close to him. We just frankly well, I, didn't see that. Yeah, I would agree with that. And to be fair to Mike Pence, believe me, when you sign up to be the vice president, that's part of what you're signing up to be. And when you're signing up to be the vice president of Donald Trump, you're definitely signing up to be that because Trump wants to make sure everybody knows there's one president in town. There's not two presidents in town. There's one guy leading, not two guys leading. And so I think when you sign up for that, you need to understand what you're signing up for. Remember, I was lieutenant governor nominee in the state of Iowa. Uh, it's a position that I agreed to, to be on that ticket. Quite frankly, I would never do that again. I, I don't want to play that number two. And that's why I think DeSantis is. I don't think he wants to play number two. Let's talk about Pence for a minute. Sure. Because you might be the only man in America, literally. I mean, there's, you know, not many men left in America, we've learned in the last year and a half. Um, but you might be the only man in America who is on first name friendly terms with Steve Dace and Mike Pence. Is that fair? <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. No, the no, only no, man no, in America. No, no, no. But that is, is, that a, is, that, is that fair? That's a very fair statement. And at the very least, it's, it's a short list. Sure. Okay. Which is odd because you would think him and I would run in a lot of the similar circles. Mm -hmm. But we don't. Okay. And, and I want to, and, and let me explain why we don't from my perspective. You and I both agree character matters a lot, right? You bet. Okay. Is courage a character trait? Sure it is. Sure it is. Okay. Um, is piety good? Sure. As long as it's not an idol. Sure. Right. Right? Okay. Um, are there some positions where the character trait calls more or maybe not positions? Yeah, there would be some positions like a general. A general, you're going to want courage more than piety for that. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you want somebody that's mm -hmm. impious necessarily sure. leading people on any level, but... If I'm if I'm looking for traits, on what I need to score higher, courage would score higher in that courage, capacity. You bet, especially in the capacity if you're running for president of the United States. And then courage. I think there are situations where courage matters more than piety. Sure, correct. Okay, I think Mike Pence is a coward, and you know I think that the audience knows that he's had two opportunities on transformational moments to lead. And he damn near lost us uh, these issues forever both times. The first was religious liberty as governor of Indiana, which is, which is the single worst betrayal. And I've said this for five years. It is the single worst betrayal I've ever experienced on an issue by a politician. He nearly lost us that issue for good to the point that his fix, if you recall, the Family Research Council analyzed it and said this actually is going to make it easier for them to come after believers for sure. their beliefs. 
Okay. This is when he was governor of Indiana. Yes. And this is why, by the way, he had he's had presidential aspirations for a long time. But this is this wrecked his political trajectory. That that's essentially why he I I believe he ended up with as Trump's VP, because a lot of other people that had better reps and had more buzz at the time didn't want to get on board because they didn't think Trump was gonna win. Well, well, without question. Matter of fact, you go back. I remember sitting in the president's box of an Indiana Pacers game mm-hmm. with Frank Luntz. And Frank asked me, what do you, and this one, Pence is governor of Indiana when the whole Riffer thing blew up. Mm-hmm. And I told Frank, I said, Governor Pence's political career is over because the left will never trust him or the, the right will never trust him. And the left knows what he already did. So he lost on both sides. And I don't see, so really Trump picking him saved his political career. Mm-hmm. And you're right. A lot of people didn't want to be the vice presidential pick to Donald Trump. They thought one is they would get stained by it and he wouldn't win. Pence took took the offer and Trump wins. The second is the coronavirus task force. And we can say ultimately that anything that happens with the president under his watch is his responsibility. I think Trump is on the record, I've said this many times, making the dumbest, worst decision in the history of the presidency. Lockdowns and 30 days to slow the spread. Sure. It's why I said last week, hey, if he's going to run again, somebody ask him, how do we know the next crisis you won't just hand the country over whoever the next anthony fauci is right Mm -hmm. it's why i don't want him to run again by the way i'd prefer someone with the same a lot of the same populist beliefs from the right but you know also uh, didn't bend over for fauciism i'd prefer somebody like that run instead but but if we're going to criticize kamala harris for being appointed to handle handle the border crisis and never going then we have to hold mike pence accountable because he was even though it's trump's presidency that was his task force that task force elevated Debbie Burks and Anthony Fauci to the positions that we still have not completely dug out from as a country. It was an unmitigated disaster. It lost the last presidential election, I believe. It set the stage for whatever the hell went on election night and whatever the hell Joe Biden can't remember he did last night now. I mean, the guy has been tested, Bob, twice, twice by the spirit of the age. And they have found they have they have found he's, he's been weighed, measured and found wanting both times. This is now where you can tell me I'm being way too harsh on him. Well, I don't know if you're being way too harsh. I think when you're running for president, I don't know if there is too harsh. You have to be ready to stand up to a lot of questions. If he wants to run for president in 2024, he has to be willing to answer those questions. I may have a different take than you, especially on the latter, the Fauci one. I think that's all Donald Trump. I don't think it's Mike Pence for a second. Matter of fact, I watched those press conferences. It was Trump was there. Trump was given the podium to Burks and to Fauci. Pence was just back there. Pence was set up to be a fall guy if coronavirus went bad. I mean, in my opinion. But he has to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. The religious liberty issue, I totally agree with you. Matter of fact, that's why I said it to Frank Luntz when I was in the president's box. That being said, when he was vice president, uh, we did move the wall on religious liberty, and I think that was Mike Pence. How do we know that? Because well, you seem you want to blame Trump, all only Trump for coronavirus, but he gets no credit for religious no, no, liberty. No, because Trump started to listen at that point to, to say a Pence or to a Mike Pompeo or to others. And I think Trump did that very well. I, I'm just saying that uh, what Pence is going to have to do, he's going to have to answer hard questions, whether it's religious liberty, whether it's coronavirus, whether it might be something else. However, you also have to take a look at a Pence. Now, some of your audience is going to disagree with this. I mean, you might disagree with this. Uh, but when the president of the United States on January 6th is throwing Mike Pence under the bus for not doing what he should do to turn over this election, Pence stood up at that time, which is an act of courage where people wanted to kill him for it. 
He stood up and said, there's no way I can do this constitutionally. There's no way I will do this because it's unconstitutional. That was an act of courage there as well. So what he needs to do is he needs to say, okay, this is Mike Pence today. This is, I mean, you bet, ask me all the tough questions you want. You need to decide, am I ready to carry this mantle? What I do know, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm endorsing Mike Pence, but I'm just trying to be a counter here, is I do know he went to the state of New Hampshire, which is not an easy state to go to with its you know, live free or die uh, mentality. Uh, sold out crowd, eight standing ovations. What I do know is since we've been publicizing that Mike Pence agreed to come, our ticket sales are going through the roof. It'll be a sold out summit. And what there is, there's still something about Mike Pence people like. And I believe his faith is genuine and real. I do agree with you, though. Uh, in the Bible, bold and courageous comes up a lot of times. And when you're a leader, especially in today's age, you better be bold and courageous on this thing. But some of the people who are some of his biggest champions will be the governors. And the governors who worked with him firsthand, primarily on the COVID crisis, or the racial unrest stuff that he was very accessible to them. Those governors, most of them screwed us but last year. I'm talking like about, the Arizona governor, for example, yeah. and a lot of those other governors. Well, I'm talking about a governor, Kim Reynolds, uh, who did not screw us. Uh, and okay. So a governor Reynolds would probably push back on you of Mike Pence because she was thrilled, number one, that we were having at the summit, and then told me how helpful he was to her getting through this COVID crisis. So there's a, there's a whole balance here. The beauty of where we're at uh, leading up to 2024, and now we're in 2021, is to have this vetting. Now, in the shadow primary, you and I both know Pence is not going to be Trump's VP. I don't. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. You think we yeah. got about a minute? You think not, not there's no close. way that that's going to get? There's going to be a, a third run there or a second run there? And DeSantis won't be his VP. I think now you're looking at Christy Noem. I told you before you're looking at Kim Reynolds. You might be looking at Tim Scott. You might be looking at somebody like that. Uh, so I think it's interesting. Now, the, the thing about the leadership summit is we get pushed back on a lot of speakers. <laughs> you, you as well. You know, people, what are you doing having Dace on the stage? You know, what are you doing inviting Pence? Remember in 2013, we invited a guy by the name of businessman Donald Trump. We had a lot of pushback. Matter of fact, when Trump spoke, we had people leave because they did not want to hear Trump speak. Now it's like Trump's our guy. So our deal is we're going to provide an open and fair playing field. Give our, if they want to run, we'll give them a stage. They need to make that case. That's on Mike Pence, not on Steve Dace, not on Bob Aaronplatz or Todd or Aaron. You're running for president. You make the case. All right, man. Good stuff. How can people get more information if they want to go? Go to thefamilyleader.com. Just like I won't say that, thefamilyleader.com. <laughs> and you can find out how to get registered. But you want to get your tickets now because they're going fast. Thefamilyleader.com. All right, man. We'll see you next week. All right. God bless. All right. When we come back, hour two, we are going to be joined for our Monday Town Hall by our future colleague. Show debuts, I believe, here in a couple of weeks. Jason Whitlock's going to join us. We're going to compare and contrast the spirit of the ages champion religion of the era, wokeism, with Christianity. We're going to do that when we come back. Stay tuned. All right, we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. 
You can do so by emailing the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook uh, and MeWe, Parlor and Gab. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. You can get clips of the program for free over at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And you're going to definitely want to get the clip we're about to perform for you, you're going to definitely want to get that later on today for free over there at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Don't forget next hour, I'm sorry, after this hour, we will stick around and bring you the overtime. We have a new video from Dr. Peter McCullough. We shared one of his interviews on COVID-19 with you last week and commented on it for our town hall a week ago. This interview, he goes full red-pilled. In the clip, we will show you in the overtime, and we will play that for you and then comment on that. That's coming up later today for our Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. You know, we've been telling you about Rough Greens now for quite a while. It's that uh, clever little supplement powder you put in with your pet's food to put all the good stuff that's missing from your pet's food because it's dead as a doornail when it leaves the factory, stripped of all those vitamins, minerals, nutrients, etc. for long shelf life, mass distribution. Same thing happens to our people food these days. That's why the supplement section is one of the biggest sections at the store when you go. Uh, well, your pet could use one too, and that's what Rough Greens is. You mix it in with a food that your dog already loves, and it'll put all the good stuff back in your pet needs and maybe they'll love their food even more that's the case with our dog cap but you might be thinking who knows maybe my dog won't like it well here's one way to find out we're going to give you that first 14 day jumpstart bag for free you just pay for the shipping but that first bag is on us when you go to roughgreens.com r-u-f-f roughgreens.com or give them a call at 833 rough dog and again that's r-u-f-f 833 rough dog Well, one of the announcements we recently made here at Blaze TV, and we are really, really excited about it here on this show, is the addition of our guest for this week's Monday Town Hall. He is now our colleague in waiting, award-winning sports journalist Jason Whitlock. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm great. I'm a bit concerned. You can hear me perfectly fine? We can. Yeah, you look great. You sound good. Yes. Thank you. I know we had a little snafu getting you you logged on, but we got it figured out, so that's good. How you been? Congrats on the news. I'm awesome. It's good to be here. It'll be good to be interacting with you more often. Do you have an official start date yet for our audience or thereabouts? Yeah, July the 6th. Uh, we're going to celebrate the 4th of July on the 5th this year because I think the 4th falls on a Sunday. And so we're going to start Tuesday, July the 6th from right here in Nashville. So Sunday morning, I've got this new tradition now, uh, or maybe it's Saturday mornings, we're like the last eight weeks in a row I have logged on and to Twitter, and I have seen the atheist lefty Bill Maher tweet his closing rant of the program and find myself agreeing with much, if not all of it. All right. From where, I mean, I don't I'm beginning to check my own righty credentials here. Is there something wrong with me? OK, um, it happened again this week. Now, I don't I don't agree with this one to the extent I have many others. But his overall premise of the idea that race relations and all these things have never been worse than they are right now, uh, and maybe you know the, the forthcoming generation needs to understand there was a period of time before you uh, and, and learn a little bit of history, that, that, uh, that rant caught you and I's eye equally, and both of us commented on it, I saw, early Saturday morning. 
I, I want to, first of all, get your thoughts of what you were drawn to about it. Well, just the acknowledgement by Bill and, you know, saying to his audience directly, let's cut out the foolishness of pretending like things have never been worse. When the opposite is actually true to some degree, things, you know, until this BLM movement and some of this other stuff, but things have actually never been better. Uh, look, just like you, there was parts of it that, you know, I, I disagreed with, but more and more, when I watch Bill Maher, he's really pushing back against woke culture mm -hmm. and cancel culture. And I wish people would, I wish he would just come all the way out of the closet and just like, hey man, these people are crazy. We've gone too far. Uh, many of the arguments we're making aren't based in logic or fact. It's all just a power grab. And I think that's what you pointed out in your tweet very accurately, that these tactics uh, that the left have been using, they're not about fairness. They're not about improving America. They're about grabbing power. And, and I, I give Bill credit now that I guess Trump's out of office. He can be more honest with his audience. Seems to be a lot of that going around uh, these days on various topics we are noticing. But but yeah, I mean, it wasn't people it, it weren't the Christians in the schools that were teaching kids that there that we've made no progress since Walter Cronkite presided over high pressure water hoses on black and white TVs over your TV dinner and the six o'clock na national news. It's it's people that show up on his panels. It's his buddies, his his people. It's Bill's people, Jason, that are that that trained this new generation to believe this is the most racist, racist, the the most uh, misogynistic. Uh, this is the this is the most druidic uh, culture that has ever existed in the history of whatever is still left of Western civilization. It was his peer group that after they won the sexual revolution uh, and a lot of these other countercultural movements and, the, and they won and they won the civil rights battles. Let's be honest. A lot of that was frankly fought from the left in America, not necessarily from what is traditionally the right at that particular time in history. But it was his peer group that after they won a lot of those struggles or um, other things in other cases, like when we get into the sexual revolution, they then took control of the schools and the universities and didn't they didn't teach about that progress. They kept they acted like it was 1955 all over again. They're the ones that did that. Listen, this is what's going on with Bill Maher and rational people on the left is eventually going to lead to them realizing they created Frankenstein, that their tactics to win power have created a monster that's going to eat us all and eat all the things that we have come to appreciate and, and love about America, freedom being the number one thing. And, and, and Steve, you know, I'm going to tie this a little bit to the show that I'm going to be starting here on The Blaze, but part of the conceit of the show that I that will be embedded in the show is that two groups of people have failed us here in America, ministers mm. and comedians. Mm. Those are the two people that our culture had legalized to, to speak unspeakable truths or uncomfortable truths, not unspeakable, but uncomfortable truths. Ministers and comedians are allowed to say things that no one else has said or uh, would have the, the temerity to say, the guts to say. And I think both groups, comedians, have 
given in to woke culture and now they're afraid to 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 lampoon uh obvious dishonesty and obvious hypocrisy and then ministers have failed to stick to the gospel we have they have folded i'm gonna say we because i'm not a minister but but they've folded in and they've chosen social media popularity over speaking the truth and and that's why anytime i see anything from bill maher that heads towards the truth it doesn't have to be 100 percent accurate but as long as it heads towards the truth i'm going to applaud it and share it and hope that others see it and, and recognize like hey man have we gone too far uh have we illegalized the truth to a point that we're compromising all of our freedoms and all the values that made America great. Mm. I think that is a good segue to let's have a broader conversation about this because we really believe on our show that this is really a rival religion, that a lot of what we call uh, modern progressivism or leftism or wokeism or whatever iteration branding it's going by now is not a political ideology. It is a rival religion. Uh, it is it is it's the manifestation of what we call in our show, Jason, the spirit of the age, which is a euphemism that we just borrowed from the New Testament as a modern manifestation, basically, of demonic counterfeit zeitgeist uh, conventional wisdom and religion in our culture today. And wokeism is one of its newest manifestations. And so I thought it would be fascinating for the audience to watch and hear you and I compare and contrast these two religious structures with each other uh, in, in a conversation. And I've got four points to look at wokeism versus Christianity. And we're going to look at these with Jason Whitlock one by one, where what the difference is between what the spirit of the age preaches and what Jesus teaches. What's the difference? So here's the first one. In wokeism, you must constantly repent of your past sins, even ones you didn't commit when you merely look like those who did in order to demonstrate the shame you feel for them. But with no assurance, any amount of repentance ultimately leads to redemption. You are therefore constantly accused, but never really forgiven or restored. But in Christianity, we are only responsible for the sins we have actually committed. We bear no one else's sin burden. And we, when we repent of them under the covering of the atonement of Christ paid for at the cross, we are free forever from our shame and are redeemed. And the point of confronting our sin in the Christian rubric is to produce the correction that leads to restoration. Your thoughts on this first point? It's an incredible point. It's something that we need to be talking about and and it needs to be at the forefront of our conversation again about when america used to be dominated by judeo-christian values and and that culture even if you weren't a christian even if you weren't a believer but that ethos of forgiveness mm. and restoration made america great. It, it allowed us to have progress. And so one of the main reasons why people had the guts to fight a civil war, had the guts to fight for a civil rights movement, is because they knew that they would be forgiven for past sins and then could move on. We're now trying to make people who uh, had nothing to do with slavery 
be responsible for those sins under the premise of, well, you benefited from slavery 150 years ago. And, and Steve, you're in a marriage. I, I'm not. But could you imagine trying to maintain a marriage where there's no forgiveness hmm. and that anything that you did in the past could be brought up and rubbed in your face at any time? The only way a marriage, in any type of marriage, any type of relationship, the only time it can last is if there's actual forgiveness. If there's no forgiveness, you're headed for divorce court, period, end of story. And that's this wokeism that, where there's no forgiveness, there's no moving on from past sins. It puts us on a collision course for divorce. You can't have a United States of America if there's no forgiveness. Hmm. Second point, in wokeism. Salvation is found in belonging to a collective of those who publicly align with its beliefs, regardless of the individual's internal character. This is why it often doesn't bother with do as I say, not as I do hypocrisy within its own ranks, because the public virtue signal of alignment and voting accordingly is the religious ritual. That is the ritual. That, that's the act of demonstrating your faith. But in Christianity... Salvation is found in belonging to an individual, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Son of the living God, God incarnate. And then that relationship changes you from the inside out. And the integrity of this relationship is not judged merely by the words you say or some public act you perform, but the fruit of the character that you produce. What do you think about that? I'm going to answer it this way because I love the ending of that in terms of the fruit that you produce. And so we had a culture built around family structure and 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 what you produce within your family is is kind of your contribution to society. And and now we have an attack on family structure. We have family structure, particularly in the black community, but across America, that's in tatters and shred and shredded. And look at the chaos that's being produced. Look at the dysfunction that's being produced. And and so I, I just the the aspect of Christianity in terms of everybody seeking alignment with Jesus Christ or as many people as possible. See, and it's open to everybody. There's, you can have differences of opinions on a lot of different issues and still be a believer and still identify in Christ. This political thing we have on the other side where everybody had all, everybody's beliefs have to perfectly align and in order for you to belong to this group, whereas in Christianity, if you accept Jesus as your personal savior, you belong. And, and your, you know, there's some guidelines in terms of here's your path to happiness and success in life and things like that, but it's open to everybody. And the fruit that it produces, I'm just sorry. It's just when we were more of a Judeo-Christian society, 
Look at the fruit we were producing here in America, the envy of the world. As we adopt a more secular culture and a more woke culture, we are not the envy of the world. We're, we're actually, people are, are looking at us like, what are these people doing? They're crazy. No place on the planet offered more freedom than America. And they're throwing it away under these woke principles. Our fruit's just not as good under the woke religion as it is under Jesus Christ. Mm. Point three out of the four that we're going to compare and contrast these two today. Let's look at wokeism when it comes to justice. In wokeism, justice is achieved through the realignment of power. In other words, shifting existing public power structures in favor of those it claims have long been oppressed so that they can now be the oppressors. But in Christianity, justice is achieved through serving others, esteeming others above yourself, loving your neighbor as yourself. The son of man himself declared he came not to be served, but to serve. God himself arrives on earth. The one kid who, when his mom said, were you born in a barn, can say, yeah, I actually was. God himself literally born in a barn. The Messiah himself dies basically alone with a couple of followers who haven't abandoned him on a tree in the in broad daylight, abandoned, scorned, mocked. Um, that was what, how he was repaid for the acts of service, the healings, the miracles, the, the teaching that he performed for us during his earthly ministry. I think this is one of the starkest contrasts between these two religions. Jason. With, without question, um, uh, th- this thing that you sent me, so brilliant, and I think this hammers one of the, the, the greatest points that you made, and, and I, it's why I'm going to be trying to share it uh, with as many people as possible. And this gets to my biggest central point and problem with wokeism. It's a grab for power not to uh, liberate and provide more freedom and more fairness for everybody. It's a grab for power so that you can then turn around and oppress others through critical race theory and other uh, retribution, vengeance, revenge, whatever. Through other means, you grab the power and now you oppress other people and I'm just, as a Christian, when I see people um, talking about uh, basically punishing white people, it's just, it's like, hey man, this is not what we went through the civil rights movement or for the civil war or any of the fights we went through so that we can then go punish others. The, the goal in, in Christianity is always to enhance the life of others, regardless of what they look like. And, you know, one religion, wokeism, uh, is about oppression, and the Christianity is about the elimination of oppression. Mm. One more. In wokeism... You have unmerited and constant accusation. It's never good enough. 
And the collective is never satisfied because because sufficient progress has never been made. You can issue all the virtue signals you want preemptively. You can bank a bunch. But if you cross it one time, it's like none of those previous acts have ever occurred. You're always on notice. But in Christianity, you have unmerited and constantly offered grace. The promise that he who has begun a good work in you will not rest until that work is completed. And you are already blameless in God's sight now, even before you reach eternity. So enjoy real freedom and then share it with others. Which is the more joyous life, do you think? Well, obviously, a world without grace is a world without it has no value. It's not worth living in. And uh, I think all the time, even people, because people are sinful and our nature is sinful and Adam and Eve, uh, people make mistakes. And this is what bothers me about the woke. Someone will make a mistake and then we just want to be done with them. Now, we know everything about that person. They said this word in this setting. They did this act in this setting. Therefore, they are a horrible human being and unworthy of any grace, mercy, forgiveness, anything. And and I am only talking with you right now. And the only reason why I'm going to do a project with the Blaze, the only reason I've been able to take care of myself and family and, and things like that is because of grace. I've made so many mistakes. So many mistakes that I've seen other people canceled for. Have I spoken inappropriately about other people, other races, people of a different sexuality? Have I, I've committed all of those sins multiple times. Thank God I have been forgiven for those sins and have been allowed to continue. This woke deal just, they don't believe in grace. They don't, it's, it's almost, they don't believe in self-awareness that, that they too have committed many, many sins and will continue to commit sins and need forgiveness and grace and mercy and, and to be allowed to evolve into a better person. And that's when I think about Christianity, it's a journey. It's not a destination. It's a never ending journey to be closer and closer to Christ. You're going to fall. You're going to, uh, you're going to back up, you're gonna, but hopefully you just keep moving forward and thank God, and again, this is where I go back, when we had a Christian culture, Christian ethos, a Christian mindset, we understood that people would make mistakes. We understood that Michael Vick, to make a sports analogy, may get involved with dog fighting and may have to be punished for that, but we have to have a society of forgiveness where we allow him back into society, continue his career and become a better person. And I saw that with my own eyes with Michael Vick. If I've seen Michael Vick's teammates, the wide receiver, Riley Cooper, at a concert, dropped the N-word. And I saw uh, the Philadelphia Eagle players led by Michael Vick extend him mercy and grace and allow him to recover from that mistake. That's a society worth living in. And it's a society that it's the, it's the only one that works. Hmm. We go this woke route of anybody that makes a mistake, we cancel them, we and, and and particularly it's like a certain type of mistake because if you're part of the woke religion you and and swear allegiance to all the leftist agenda you can make all kinds of mistakes look at andrew cuomo mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and and they'll forgive you but others 
people that don't agree with you politically, people that aren't a part of your power grab or offered no grace or mercy or forgiveness. It's 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 a world that just it just doesn't work. Brother, we got about four minutes. I want to make sure, though, we address something I saw you say recently that I think um, our audience needs to be exposed to talking about how the spirit of the age tries to use your past sins against you as if um, as, as if that now disqualifies you from uh, speaking out um, or you're even threatened with those being exposed. So don't come forward. I want, can you address that to our audience here on the show? I want them to hear what you said about that. Well, I think those of us as Christians are being silenced by our sin and the people on the other side know that they can use our sin to silence us because they know that all people, believers and non-believers, are going to sin. And so they've set up a system where sin doesn't silence them at all. It actually emboldens them because they don't believe in anything. They're trying to create a world where there is no sin. Everything's allowable. And so they can do whatever they want. And because they're non-believers, no one can hold them accountable. Whereas those of us that are espouse religious faith and beliefs, they use the exposing our sin as the tool to keep us quiet. And, and we can't allow that. I don't, again, I'm a sinner. And that's talking about me in the past. That's talking about me in the future. When I become free of sin, I want everybody to start calling me Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think that's never going to happen. And so never going to happen to anybody listening to this as well. And so we can't allow shame of our sin to silence us from speaking the truth. It's a tactic and a ploy being used against us so that they silence our truth. And so that's one of the reasons I've been very transparent about my sin is because I'm not going to give anybody the power to silence me because of mistakes I've made in the past or mistakes I may make in the future. It does not disqualify my truth. Their sin doesn't disqualify the truths that they believe they're espousing. Why should I think that my sin disqualifies me? And so at some point, those of us that are believers are going to have to get comfortable with the fact that uh, sin does not shame us. It's not something we, we're proud of, but again, Jesus died on the cross to forgive us for those sins. We need to accept that forgiveness and not allow non-believers to set the rules for us on how we uh, show our faith and express our truths publicly. So when, tell us again, when does the show start? I'm uh, just on a personal level. I don't have a lot of time to sample a lot of my own colleagues here at The Blaze, let alone some of my own stuff, okay? But I'm going to make time for this, all right? I'm looking forward to it. So when is it to begin? July the 6th, Tuesday, July the 6th. Uh, we should be coming at you with our first show. We're very excited. Uh, look forward to having you on the show. Look forward to coming back on your show. Um, I, I'm just very excited to be at a place where I can express all of my beliefs comfortably. And, you know, 
they're not my beliefs i don't believe are crazy but i get to show the full me at the blaze and i'm looking forward to it and i think it's going to be an awesome show couldn't agree more we are looking forward to it as well good to see you brother thank you for joining us jason as always all right god bless thank you steve you bet again that is coming up uh, fearless with jason whitlock that begins on tuesday july the 6th um there's a lot of corollaries i think to the conversation that jason and i just had and i know the two of you probably have at least a few of those rabbit holes you'd like to chase uh which we will do when we come back and um there's also a there's a if you noticed there's a running thread in the comparisons between these two religions right that whole thing, you know, a tree by its fruit, right? Okay. We'll, we'll get into that as well when we return here for part two of our conversation here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Stay tuned. All right. We've got a, another convert. Well, not the religious conversation we were just having, but another one. <laughs> we'll continue that conversation in a moment. But Aaron let it slip just a little while ago during the break as he saw me enjoying my daily in-show built bar that you yourself have now had the chance to try these, yeah. right? And I just, I didn't know what the gluten-free recommendation is because you're like a full-blown celiac, not even like- I'm not one of those hippies that just does this for fun. Yeah, or or you have like a mild intolerance to some things like I no, do. I've got the autoimmune no. disorder. Yeah, yeah, you have it, yeah. So uh, you went and looked it up, yep. found a flavor that you knew was gluten-free, yeah, it's a, and just so happens to be like modeled after like your favorite candy bar, Yeah, and you found out what? Uh, I was I was pretty blown away. I mean, I love Almond Joy mounds, anything with coconut in it, basically. Mm-hmm. I got the, uh, I think it was the coconut chocolate one. I can't remember. Coconut no, brownie, one, maybe? Coconut brownie, yeah, yeah. The one in the blue wrapper. Yeah. My goodness. Like, I will say this. I'm, I'm not into sweets too much. Um, this was almost, almost too rich for me. Usually, but it was. I mean, it was perfect. It was like a, it was like a candy bar. But that's, that's the, that's the kind of taste that you're getting. You're not getting one of those nasty, just fake sweetened uh, protein bars you get from Costco. These things are legit they're they're like candy bar. and i was full i mean i just needed something to to tide me over until supper and i got it it's perfect so i get it man if you've been skeptical because let's face it todd is right i have the palate of a 12 year old okay it it's it's why um despite my workout schedule the middle portion of meat remains doughy if you put if you put sugar on virtually anything i'll at least listen to you todd is right about that all right. So I understand if you're like, dude, man, come on. You can put sugar on anything dace related. I, but now, come on. We got Erzin. Erzin hates everything and everybody. All right. Aaron hasn't even had his first kid yet, is already auditioning for Gran Torino 2, right? True. Yeah. All right. And, and, and so you guys, on your own, are all in on these now that you've sampled them yes, yourselves. undeniably okay? so. All right, so you've got to give it a shot, all right? Don't just take my sweet tooth's word for it. I work with two very surly, ornery 
uh, crustaceans here, and they both approve of Built Bar as well. So if you want to give it a shot, and now you know they've got gluten-free flavors too, courtesy of Aaron, uh, use the promo code of my last name Dace, D-E-A-C-E, as your promo code to get 15% off your next order when you go to BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T, BuiltBar.com, BuiltBar.com, promo code Dace, get 15% off. Let's get back to our Monday Town Hall. Let's have a follow-up conversation to the dialogue you guys just heard uh, between our new colleague, Jason Whitlock, and I. Uh, Jason's show, Fearless, begins here on Blaze TV July the 6th. We're all very, very excited about that. So him and I went through kind of a hermeneutical rundown of the comparing and the contrasting of the current woke religion with Christianity. What stood out to each of you about that conversation? Well, he bookended... Uh, point one and point four by talking about their way of doing things just doesn't work. And his, I thought his marriage analogy was spot on. And he, I he, couldn't, I didn't have the heart to tell him, uh, staying married with forgiveness yeah. is hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. <laughs> Let alone without it. But yeah. But, uh, continuing on with that theme now, it, I don't, it merits being said a point of clarity. And I have no doubt Jason would agree. His whole testimony is this is not ultimately a utilitarian faith we we have in any way, uh, shape or form. It, it's, it's highest calling is not mere functionality in the temporary, uh, temporal sphere. Because once we start thinking like that, we think of, we get down utopian roads that both Catholics and Protestants have taken way too far. But we, we are created flesh and bud and it was called good. And there is supposed to be order, order in this temporal realm that derives directly from our faith. It is not supposed to be merely ethereal. And that's why when Jason talks about it, it works. It absolutely does work, but it works fundamentally because of that grace. Our brokenness can be redeemed. Our brokenness will be redeemed if we bend the knee, if we are rejuvenated so that we have eyes to see and ears to hear and it can't this is why with such confidence before we had ever heard of a covid i kept saying it over and over again once we've reached this thing called transgenderism there 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 this is a bottom we we can't the center will not hold it hasn't held it never will hold because that can't possibly work it does not function because we were as human beings were created for God's order, his internal chemistry, his internal biology, his internal physics. That's where all those words came from, from his heart. And therefore, without forgiveness, there is no order. And that's what, without no order, nothing will work. We live in a society, despite all of our riches, our blessings, our comforts, we don't work right now. Going back to kind of later on in the conversation and uh, Jason talking about how the left woke uh, wokeism has set up this structure wherein they have no standards whatsoever. There is no sin whatsoever to them, but they still can hoist you by your own sin if you do espouse such things. That's exactly that's not a bug. That's a feature. 
That's absolutely a feature. Because there is no um there is no religion. There it's basically the left is basically the lyrics of imagine. That's basically there is nothing except for one thing, and that is power. Which is why they will eat their own. If they if one of their own starts to even think about going off the reservation, a la Naomi Wolf. A la well, Bill Maher kind of still gets somewhat of a free pass, although he gets pilloried every now and then by the left. If you even think about going off the reservation, they will eat you alive as well because, because it's not really about freedom, choice, being able to do anything you want to do anything, anytime you want and have somebody else pay for it. It's really about power and control over you. That's what we've said from day one. So when you, when you have a culture whose vast majority of inhabitants are unmoored, and I say the word unmoored a lot, and I think we, that word gets dropped on this program a lot. Unmoored means like unmoored uh, a boat that's not attached to anything at the shoreline, that's just kind of being, as kind of being wished and washed around at sea. When you are untethered, unmoored from anything resembling objective truth, eventually you are going to, you're going to um, evolve into the cesspit that is the, the the chaos of wokeism, of the spirit of the age, of progressivism. These are all words and terms to describe the same thing, which is where I know you're going to go next, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, the basis of this ideology. What is the basis of this ideology? And I know that's what you want to talk about. So we've told you previously that we came up with this euphemism, spirit of the age, as kind of an ad hoc term because we were concerned that if we used a couple of the plainer definitions for what we mean, we would be saying it so often that it would become parody or it would lose its potency or power, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that there aren't times when the occasion calls for it to call it by its plainer name, right? Mm -hmm. I think this is one of those times. The character and integrity of a movement is not found in its followers, but in its founder. You can expose my sin, Todd's sins, Aaron's sins, Jason's sins, every Christian's sins. It doesn't change the fact. And, and among us, you may have you may have found we have unconfronted blind spots, great hypocrisies. We might even be phonies. That's possible. But it doesn't change the central claim of Christianity. That Christ proved his character by once being dead and now alive. Did that happen or not? Right? Did that occur or not? Did it occur or not? You may say, well, I'm surrounded by a bunch of Christian phonies. That may even be true. I grew up around a lot of them, too, when I was a pagan kid. But that's on them. That doesn't speak of the character of Christ. In Christianity, we don't affirm Christ's character. He affirms ours. 
the hope of glory, Christ in us. He lives in us and through us. The reason it is so difficult, it's the old, it's the old Chesterton line. Ma'am, I don't find Christianity has been often tried and mostly failed. I have found that it has been uh, rarely tried and very difficult. Okay? The, the, the reason why. The, the dying to ourselves... The constant dilemma we face of, am I going to follow what I want, which is probably bad because I'm bad, I'm a sinner, or am I going to let Christ live through me? That is the difficult the difficulty of the dilemma. And this is often why you can see great Christian leaders have a particular blind spot that they frankly just didn't have the character or integrity or the strength to, to let go of while still being used to have tremendously positive impacts on people. You think of the stories that we have recordings now, Martin Luther King Jr. having sex with women, not his wife, in, in hotel in rooms. We have recordings of this. Yeah, you cannot deny the power of the spirit that spoke through him on a national platform on how many other times at the exact same time. The reason they can they can condemn us all with, well, you're a hypocrite, is because we all are. We all are to some extent, especially when the standard is to have even thought through the joyous potential of doing a sin is a sin in and of itself. If that is the standard, then my goodness, we're toast. Yeah, we are. That's why Christ is the only hope that we have. This is the internal dialogue we have within Christianity. The constant temptation to flaunt our salvation and use it as assurance that I can drift away and still come back. Right? This is the tension we have within our side of this debate. How much we can flaunt to the grace of God. This is our dilemma. It's our Gnosticism, how we don't become sinners. You're in the special class where you're not sinners anymore. The right. other version is for the, you know, the yes. hoi ploy. But over there on the woke side, they're having an internal dialogue too. Constantly accused. A perpetual state of accusation. At any moment, it might be a debutante ball that was hosted for you when you were a teenager that you pretty much knew nothing about its origins. And now your entire life is called, the, the question is called all over social media. Didn't we just have that last week? We yep. did. You could, be a, you could be a guy doing a benefit for sick kids and you tweeted something stupid five years ago and a routine background check now has to ruin your life, right? Right. You can be the most outstanding player of the final four. And the very next day after you win one of the most prestigious individual awards in American sports, we found out you tweeted gangster rap lyrics when you were 14 with the N-bomb. And so now your life is forfeit, right? Yes. We know all these stories and it's never good enough. There's nothing you can do. And you can lay down your life in shame over and over and over again. There's not enough goodwill built up. If we find something else later on that we don't like, you're crushed again. You live in a perpetual state of accusation. In Christianity, we debate the merits of God's grace because down deep we know none of us are deserving of it. And all are like sheep and have been led astray. But on the woke side, they, de they debate the merit of accusation. 
accusation, being accused, that is the state of being, the constant threat of accusation, which being, dare I ask, which being would originate a movement where accusation was the highest calling? Where being accused was the ultimate expression of the temerity and integrity of a religious expression? Which being would be responsible for a religion of accusation and not grace? The accuser himself, the devil. Wokeism is directly from the devil. Directly. It is directly satanic and demonic. The reason why you're never good enough and can never be restored fully in wokeism is because the being responsible for it hates you more than any being in all the universe and all the cosmos does. He designed it that way. As Aaron likes to say, it is a feature and not a bug. It's the state of play. It's purposeful. It's meant to be destructive. That is the point. Before we get out of here, got to tell you really quick about real estate agents I trust. This is where if you're going into the real estate market and especially during these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. Make sure you go in with an agent that you can trust. And where would you find such a person? Well, the name kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This is a company that started really as a little mustard seed within the Blaze audience. People like Glenn Beck running into agents who didn't follow through and then finding out there were better agents actually right here in the audience, connecting and networking those agents with members of the audience. And they thought, hey, this thing could really mushroom from here. And it has to the point that pretty much anywhere you've thought about relocating to or escaping from, we can probably find you an agent that will come and take charge. But then remember that ultimately you're in charge of the situation and you're going to find them at realestateagentsitrust.com. Any quick thought on the point that I just made here to close this out? Well, the, one of the most powerful, repetitive memories in my life is the baptism of my four daughters. And it speaks to exactly what you said, starting a journey where you do not become the center of the universe, but acknowledge that there is one that loves you very, very much and will change everything for you. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.